I haven't heard from Rhonda this morning. Did you want this one? Um, it was marked my my spot in those. That's a that's a different songbook than what we oh, use. Okay. Oh, good. Good thing you said something. I'd be calling out the wrong number. Gene, my son. Yeah. Do you want to close that back door? Yeah. You know, number one. Yeah. Let's turn to number five in our hymnals. Blessed be the name. He's the one that we go to for counsel. We go to the scripture and listen for the leading of his spirit in our own lives as to what we should be doing, what, where we should be going, how, how should we be conducting our lives. And 
you think about that as a name, the name of the Lord being Counselor. He's the one we go to. And that is for our benefit, and yet it fulfills the purpose of God the Father for us to go to Jesus and to, for him to be our guide. And we need to be aware of his presence in our lives more and more each day. Let's sing number 354. 354.
serving God and we are you know it says we might suffer uh, willing to suffer affliction and loss deeming each trial a part of my cross you know we're called to serve God with our lives with whatever we have whatever he's given us put in our care we are stewards of the things that he has given us including our own lives and if our life is spent for his service and or given it as a a sacrifice in in our lives that's all right that's all right that's what we're here for and i think a lot of a lot of times we lose sight of that of, of our purpose of our direction of our reason for living in the name of the song is living for Jesus and that's our that's our calling uh, let's turn, sing number 364 just over a few pages and let's stand as we sing Wow. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Brother Tony, would you lead us as we pray? My Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your house, Lord, and thank you for your many blessings that you give us each and every day, for your watching care and protection. May you continue to be with all those that are on our hearts and minds, the prayer requests, those that have been mentioned, uh, that uh, you'll be with each of those situations and that your will be done in those lives. And continue to be with this church here, that it might be the lighthouse in this community. Be with the teacher this morning as he teaches the Sunday school lesson and give him the words to say. May we have the open hearts and minds to hear and receive your word. Be with our pastor this morning as he brings the word, that you give him the words also, Lord. And continue to be with those that uh, are in this community that are lost. Help us be the witness to them and encouragement to them that we need to be and be with those uh, churches throughout the land that stand for your truth, those that get ready for the fellowship meeting, uh, the ones that are sick with the COVID, that you continue to uh, strengthen them and heal them and uh, pray that you uh, be with the ones that will be traveling, give them safe trips. We ask this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. to record you or do you want to you okay with live what's that I never thought to ask you um, you okay with me recording you okay yeah you might want to move that over just a little yeah got, the got those here. flowers Figure. in the way there's flowers there whoops you good at working that thing upside down <laughs> I'm getting there <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> Just have to make sure I hit it the right, the right time. <laughs> still says that red button there, you get live, and if it pops the blue button, you can just hit it, if you notice it. If it goes to, a, if the blue button pops up across the bottom of the screen, just hit that again and it'll it'll push it back to where it's recording. If it, if it, go, if it, that red live goes away and there's a blue bar that pops across the bottom that says resume, you should just hit the blue button when it, if it pops up. Oh, okay. Yeah. This morning we're studying the book of Acts in chapter 15. And I've got a, you know, as I was studying last night and I looked into this chapter, I, I saw a lot of things in there that were the Old English. The, it's a King James Version. And I, I went and I looked at the... New Testament in modern speech. You know, this is just modern speech, New Testament. And it says things in such a, a, a clearer way. I, I went through it and compared this whole chapter. Went down through it and thought, you know what, why don't I just read it out of the uh, New, New Testament in modern speech. So if you will, Read along with me in whatever translation you've got there. And you can compare it as, as we go through there, and it'll help you to understand, perhaps, what they're saying in, in this place. Because the, the way it is stated here in, in modern English is very clear. But the, the King James kind of 
isn't as clear to to me, my way of thinking anyway, and and I'm used to the King James. And so if you don't mind, I is is there anyone that objects to me doing that, by the way? I I don't wanna is there anyone Okay. Well if no one objects to it, that's what I plan to do this morning. And we'll start reading there in chapter 15. And they remember uh, Saul and Barnabas had come back to Antioch after traveling up. They'd gone down into the island of Cyprus and then up across to the north there and up into as far as Iconium and Derby and these other cities up through there. And now they had returned to Antioch. They, they'd gone through Antioch of Pisidia, and maybe that's the furthest to the west that they got, but then they went back to Antioch there in, uh, well, I guess that would be in Samaria. But they, they had come back and they reported to the church all that they had done and how the, the blessing of the gospel and the, the, the power of God was exhibited among the Gentiles. And this is the report that they're giving here in Antioch to, to the Christian church there. And they remained there in a considerable amount of time with the disciples there at Antioch. But certain persons, and this is chapter 15, and we'll start there with verse 1. It says, But certain persons who had come down from Judea tried to convince the brethren, saying, Unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Mosaic custom, you cannot be saved. Whoa, wait a minute. Didn't God save them already? Didn't he save those uh, those Gentiles in the same way? Not only saved them, but the power of the Holy Spirit came on them. And they, and they had an understanding granted to them. And they were saved already. And here these people... Uh, that came down from Judea, tried to convince the brethren that they had to be circumcised according to the Mosaic law, the, the law of Moses. And we go on there in verse 2, it says, between these newcomers and Paul and Barnabas, there was no little disagreement and controversy. Now that's said a little bit differently here in the King James, but this is what they had. They were, Paul, Paul and Barnabas said, wait a minute, wait a minute, these people got saved. God did this. It wasn't our doing. It wasn't something we could do. These people were saved already. And you want to impose restrictions on them? Have them circumcised? Now, circumcision for an adult man is not a small step. And so, <clears throat> he says, between these newcomers and Paul and Barnabas, there was no little disagreement and controversy. 
until at last it was decided that Paul and Barnabas and some other brethren should go up to consult the apostles and elders in Jerusalem on this matter. So they said, okay, well, we're not going to settle this here, out here in Antioch. Let's, let's go to Jerusalem. This is the head of, or the center of the Jewish religion there at the temple. And let's just have, a, have this thing uh, discussed there. We'll go up there and we'll put this bee in their bonnet, so to speak. Let's, let's go up there and let them decide. And so, so they set out being accompanied for a short distance by the church. Now that, that's said differently in the King James also. But they sent them on their way, I think is the way it says. But they, the church accompanied them apart part of the way and as they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria they told the whole story of the conversion of the Gentiles and inspired all the brethren with great joy now Phoenicia uh, let me look at let me use this new map he's got up here uh, Well, they don't, they don't show... Here's Phoenicia, right here. Here's Galilee and Samaria. So Phoenicia and Samaria, right here. Phoenicia, up here. Uh, just just be, below Assyria. And then there's Galilee in here, and then Samaria. So they were on their way down and... Um, Here's Antioch, way up here in, in Syria. And, and they're coming down and they're going to Jerusalem. Uh, there's Jerusalem right there in Judea. So that's quite a journey going down that far. And I guess a, a journey of 30 or 40 miles on foot wasn't a big deal back then. But... Uh, you think about it, if you were to walk from here to downtown Pueblo, that's a good journey. Well, it was about three or four times that to go down to Jerusalem. So they undertook a, a good journey here. I don't know whether they were on foot or, or rode camels or donkeys or whatever, but uh, that that's still quite a journey if you're riding even uh, a critter, a horse even, that we come up with the saddle sores and all of that. <laughs> it's not a small undertaking. So they, but they went to Jerusalem to take up this matter there. And, and as they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told the whole story of the conversion of the Gentiles and inspired all the brethren with great joy. So these people, as they walked along or, or traveled, they related what had happened on their missionary journey. And upon their arrival in Jerusalem, they were cordially received by the church. The apostles and the elders 
and they reported all that God working with them had done. Notice they say this is God working with them and in them had done these things. They didn't do the miracles. God did those miracles. That's the point that they make here. It's God that does the work. It's God which worketh in you to both to will and to do of his good pleasure is the way it's said in Philippians. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 3, I believe it is. Or, yes. But certain men who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees and were now believers stood up in the assembly and said, Gentile believers ought to be circumcised and be ordered to keep the law of Moses. Now these were Pharisees. And the Pharisee sect didn't believe in the resurrection. And, but these Pharisees had been converted to Christianity. And they believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. But now they're saying that these Gentiles ought to be circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses. They're, they're sending them back to Judaism. Then the apostles and the elders met to consider the matter. And after there had been a long discussion, Peter rose. Now that this long discussion, I imagine was a rather heated discussion too. It, even, even within the church, they had a heated discussion of the relative merits of the Old Testament as opposed to serving God by faith, which is what the New Testament is. The law has been fulfilled, not done away with, but fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so Peter rose up and he says, it is within your own knowledge, he said, that God originally made choice among you that from my lips the Gentiles were to hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows all hearts gave this testimony in their, gave his testimony in their favor, bestowing the Holy Spirit on them just as he did on us. And he made no difference between us and them in that he cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why provoke God by laying on the necks of these disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? He said, why are you saddling these Gentiles with things that we couldn't even bear up under? They were under the law. And yet, salvation came by faith. And it came to those Gentiles the same way it came to the Jews. Exactly the same. God's Spirit working in and through them and upon them. It wasn't their doing, it was God's doing. And, and Peter points that out here. And he says, why are we imposing things on them that we couldn't handle ourselves, that we couldn't bear up under? And now you want to put that on them when God didn't do that. He said, God is the one in charge here. I think we need to realize that. 
when we are serving God, he is the one in charge. He is our head. He is the one who is to direct us, not us directing him. Christians oftentimes forget that. And to their own hurt, by the way. So he says, he says, on the contrary, we believe that it is by the grace of the Lord Jesus that we, as well as they, shall be saved. If anyone is going to be saved, it is by the grace of Jesus Christ, living in and through them, not, not by doing anything, not by following any laws or customs or, or these principles that the Pharisees were trying to inflict upon the Gentiles here. So it's not just them we're talking about, but it's us as well, you know, the Jews as well as the Gentiles. He said, don't, don't put this off on them. We couldn't even handle it. So he goes on there and he says, when the whole assembly remained silent while they listened to the statement made by Paul and Barnabas as to all the signs and marvels that God had done among the Gentiles by, by means of them, when they had finished speaking, James said, now notice we've got Peter, James, Paul, Barnabas, all, all of these were there in Jerusalem. And these were discussed, they, they had a heated discussion here. Not only them, but they had the leaders of the Pharisees. And there in Jerusalem, I imagine there were probably a hundred people at least. And all of them noted and well-respected people in Jerusalem. And when they had finished speaking, you know, all of, all of this discussion had taken place. <coughs> James said, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked graciously on the nations to take from among them a people to be called by his name. And this is in harmony with the language of the prophets, which says, and he reads here, or he quotes here from Amos, chapter 9, verses 11 through 12. He says, Afterwards it will return and will be, and will rebuild David's fallen tent. He says, David's tent fell down. What is David's tent? What's that? The, the tabernacle. The tabernacle. Okay. Its ruins will be, I will rebuild and will set up again that the rest of mankind may seek after the Lord. The rest of mankind, not the Jews only, not just Jerusalem and where the temple was, but the rest of mankind, all of mankind, not just the Jews. Even all the nations which are called by my name. So any nation or any assembly, any group of people called by the name of Jesus. 
will be saved. Uh, Even all the nations which are called by my name, says the Lord, who has been making these things known from the ages long past. So this is what God wanted all along. This is what God had intended. And this is what the prophet Amos said. And this is what James is quoting here. He says, this is right in line with the scripture, the Old Testament scripture. This isn't something new. This is what God intended from times past. He goes on. He says, my judgment, therefore, is against inflicting unexpected vexation on those of the Gentiles who are being turned to God. He says, I'm not going to put this on them. I don't want any part of that. He says, there's, there's no excuse for this. Yet let us send them written instructions to abstain from things polluted by connection with idolatry, from fornication, from flesh strangled animal or, or flesh of strangled animals, and from blood. Those four things. He said, let's hey, these are these are not good to be doing in the first place. Let's have them stay away from anything that's offered to idols, stay away from blood, any animals that are strangled to death. And in any of those things, uh, stay away from idolatry in, in general. For Moses, from the earliest times, has had his preachers in every town being read as, as, as he is, as he is, Sabbath after Sabbath in the, in the various synagogues. He said, the Old Testament law has been preached there all the time. They could, they could hear that any time they wanted. The, including the Gentiles, by the way, because the Gentiles were urged to listen to what the Jewish prophets and teachers and preachers had to say in the synagogues. He says, if they wanted to hear that kind of thing, they could, they could have heard it any time they wanted to. He says, but this is, uh, this is my judgment. He says, I'm not going to impose these uh, sanctions, these uh, troubles on the Gentile nations. Uh, verse 22, he says, whereupon it was decided by the apostles and elders with the approval of the whole church to choose suitable persons from among themselves and to send them to Antioch. So this is stated a little different in the King James there, but this is the, what they're saying. They decided to send certain people down, or send them, I guess they would say up to Antioch. You know, I, we think of Jerusalem as being down when it's south of Antioch. But they're going to send people on the same journey that Paul and Barnabas had come all the way down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem. I, I'm not sure how they thought about it. Everything was considered, and I'll, I'll preface this by just some research, everything was considered down from Jerusalem because, of course, Jerusalem was 
It was on the ridge, Lord, yes. Lord, you know, Lord dwells in the temple and all this stuff. So they would say they go up to Jerusalem, you know, or, you know, and they go down to... The any place else. Down to any place else, yeah. Yes, I, I had a friend who was from um, Virginia. He, he was kind of a backwoodsy sort of fella. Hey, you know the people. And we were talking one day and he was saying, well, you just go north from there. But what he was talking, he said, you go north and in several directions. I said, how can that be? He said, well, north is considered upstream. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I learned something new there. Uh, deep, different people think of things in different ways, don't they? Mm -hmm. I, I guess that's good. We, we're all a little bit different. Amen. We have to allow for those things in, our, in, our, in ourselves. And so they decided to send apostles and elders with the approval of the whole church to, and to choose suitable persons from among themselves to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren, were selected and they took with them the following letter. So they said, okay, we're going to send Silas and Judas from, from our own number here in Jerusalem. We're going to send them with Paul and Barnabas back up to Antioch. So here's that trip. They're going to make that same trip back again. That's, I imagine this was a good 70 miles round trip or more you know that's that's a lot of walking on foot believe me and so they they sent them with a letter they said we're going to write out instructions for these Gentile nations who have received Jesus Christ and we're going to tell them what the church here in Jerusalem has decided and not only that but we're going to send people from our assembly, respected people from our assembly with them to, to show our sincerity. Okay, and this is the letter that they sent. The apostles and elders of the brotherhood send greetings to the Gentile brethren throughout Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. As we have been informed that certain persons who have gone from our midst have disturbed you by their teaching and have unsettled your minds without having received any such instructions from us. We have unanimously decided to select certain men and to send them to you in company with our beloved friends Barnabas and Paul, who have in endangered their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who are themselves bringing you the same message by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no burden heavier than these necessary requirements. You must abstain from things sacrifice to idols from blood 
from flesh of strangled animals, and from fornication. Keep yourselves clear of these things, and it, it will be well with you. Farewell. What an interesting letter. They said, this is what we have decided down here, in, or up here, in, up here in Jerusalem, and this is what we want you to do. This is how we want you to uh, understand what we have decided. And there are just a few things, which weren't things that were particularly uh, troublesome things. I mean, stay away from things, animals that are strangled. That was in the law. Stay away from the blood. The, the Old Testament said the life is in the blood. You don't want... You don't take the, that yourself. That is God's. That belongs to God. Stay away from fornication. Stay away from those things. And it will be well with you. This is all you need to do. As Now, does that say that they didn't need to grow in, in faith? Certainly, I needed to grow in faith when I was first saved. I've come always to that point. I have been convicted for a long time. But these people had the Holy Spirit come upon them, and they had the Holy Spirit guiding and directing their hearts. And just as he does us as well. When we are saved, but there are certain things that you ought to stay away from. And that's what, there's, what they said here. So... They therefore, having been formally sent, came down to Antioch, where they called together the whole assembly and delivered the letter. So they brought all these Christians there at Antioch, where, where God's people were first called Christians. They, they assembled everybody, brought everybody together and read that letter to them. Uh, the people read it and were delighted with the comfort it brought them. Now, look at that. These Gentiles didn't know what the church at Jerusalem was going to decide. And when this letter was read, they were delighted. They, they didn't know whether they were going to have to be circumcised or what the story was. But this is what it came back, and they were delighted with the response from the church at Jerusalem here in Antioch. And Judas and Silas, being themselves also prophets, gave, gave the brethren a long and encouraging talk and strengthened them in the faith. So these two brethren that were sent from the church at Jerusalem gave a long talk. They instructed them by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. They being prophets of God, having been sent from Jerusalem, were, I imagine they were listened to carefully. People wanted to hear what they had to say. Wanted to know how to serve God better. Now I don't I didn't get to listen to that conversation, that long talk that these 
too, Silas and Judas had said, but it says they both talked to them and instructed them in the way of the Lord. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't have known their language anyway, but I would like to have like to hear a translation of what transpired there as they brought this good news to those Gentile Christians. So it says, after spending some time there, they received an affectionate farewell from the brethren to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching in company with many others, telling the gospel of the word of the Lord. You know, there was a lot of learning yet to do of how to live a faithful life. And when Judas and Silas went back up to, up to Jerusalem, after giving this encouraging talk, this uh, Paul and Barnabas stayed behind there in Antioch and taught them further. They had been there for I don't know how long, probably months, prior to their going down to Jerusalem and bringing uh, Judas and, and Silas back up with them. And now they are staying even longer and they're teaching, instructing them in the service of the Lord. You know, sometimes I begin to wonder if I wouldn't benefit from teaching and instruction in service to the Lord. We all would, every one of us. These are things that I know I need, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. So this was the outcome of that letter, and Let's go on here in uh, verse, what is it, 36 here. After a while, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the brethren in the various towns in which we have made known the Lord's word to see how they fare. Let's go see what happened, what the outcome of this was. We, we went through there and some received and some did not. Some were adamantly opposed to the gospel and others had received and had become churches. They had established churches in these various towns that they went to. Iconium, Derby, uh, and up in Pisidia, all through that region. They said, let's go see how they fare. Let's go see how they're doing. We want to know. You know, did we make that trip for nothing or, or what, and risk our lives for nothing or are they doing well up there? <clears throat> now Barnabas was bent on taking with them John, whose name was Mark, whose, whose other name was Mark. So while Paul deemed it undesirable to have as their companion, one who had deserted them in Pamphylia. <clears throat> now John Mark had turned back as they went on their missionary. And evidently Paul felt that 
was not a good thing. He said, he, there, the, the scripture says, he that has laid his hand to the plow and looking back is not worthy of, of service. And so that's the way Paul looked at that. He says, I don't want to take this guy. He's a quitter. He goes, he, he wasn't willing to go on with us on that missionary journey up into those regions. He said, he, he turned back. He said, I don't want him on this journey. <clears throat> and he had not gone with them to the work. So there arose a sharp altercation between them, which resulted in their parting from one another. So Barnabas <clears throat> wanted to go, wanted to have John Mark come with, with them on this missionary journey. And, but Paul said, no way, I don't want this guy. And they had quite a division among them. They had a, a, a controversy of uh, different opinions. Now, have we ever seen that in, in any church? <laughs> yes, we have, haven't we? Where one will say one thing and one another. But rather than have a, a church split up over this, Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas. So, so there arose this altercation between them, which resulted in their parting from one another. Barnabas taking Mark and setting sail for Cyprus, out to the island where they first started. But Paul chose Silas and set out to commend by the brethren to set out to commend by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he passed through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches so they they both went out there was a division here but Paul trusted Barnabas but he wasn't going to have John Mark come with him he said no 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 that that's I don't want that he said we want to have ser this is a serious matter and I want someone who's going to stick with me and he chose Silas to go with him. And so the, they went out, both of both groups, to strengthen the churches. That was, that was Barnabas's purpose, too. And, and John Mark was a dedicated young man, but in his youth, he was a... I think Paul saw him as an unknown quantity. He said, I'm, I'm not sure that this is what we want on this journey. This is serious business we're about. And I want whoever goes with me to be somebody I can count on. And that's good reasoning, no doubt. 
But we'll see later, I think in the next chapter, by the way, that as John Mark goes out, he's going where people know that his his parents, one, his mother was a Jew, his father was a Gentile, a, a Greek, they say. And, and so they had him circumcised just as a testimony to the Jews that this man is serious. Now I'm sure that that took a bit of how do I want to say that? A bit of commitment, a lot of commitment on the part of John Mark to, to go through this process. And we'll, we'll see that he does do that. And he, but for this journey, he said, no, I don't want him here with me right now. But they both went and they encouraged the churches throughout this region that they had. Now, that brings us to the end of chapter 15 here. Are there any comments on this? Just, on this decision? Just, I mean, the fact that it goes through pretty, I think it kind of goes through pretty thoroughly what they, how they went about this whole endeavor. Isn't that exciting? You know, they were able to go down and meet with them and have this, this this debate but it seems that they were able to come together and resolve it yes because uh, according to what Christ's teachings were they were able to say okay this is this has been fulfilled we don't need to lay this burden on we couldn't keep we couldn't keep this then how else can we expect for everybody else to keep this because that's not the way the Lord had it had set this up that's right. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Exactly. It's God's doing. And then the fact that they go, okay, we're not just going to send Paul and Barnabas back. We're going to send two of our lead men with, with him to go and deliver this message from us. So yes. that they know it's not, they know it's a true message. Yes. So that, that says something right there. Sometimes delivering the message, if we just repeat what we've heard. It come from those men, and they delivered the message themselves, so that they could see that this is what the Lord had, Lord had helped them resolve. Yes, and they went along to, to confirm it exactly. And the, you know, they're saying that you know about the two or three witnesses. There were two witnesses there with them that provided that message. However, it would, would have been discussed. Yeah, it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. It was, it was. There were four witnesses there. So they could give their. They could give their testimony to the situation as well as the witnesses from from the church of Jerusalem there, yeah. the council of Jerusalem. So. And not only that, but they sent a letter too that so, could be read there in the church. So there you go. And so they wanted to make sure that these people understood. And I, I see the same process here when Paul and Barnabas had the discussion about Timothy or John Mark said, all right, well, you want to take him? Fine, you, you go one way and we'll go the other and we'll, we'll both do what God wants us to do. You know, different personalities go together better. You know, uh, yeah, you really. Personalities that went together together and they had the better personalities together. I, I think so. I mean, it, yeah. it, they worked it out to God's honor and glory. Right. And that is what we need to learn from this. That we need to give God the glory 
in whatever we do, how, whatever we decide, however we decide, however God instructs us, we need to follow His instructions and listen to what. That, that's, that's right. We need to listen to what God is saying. Not what, what I want or what you want, what anybody wants. We need to rely on what God wants. Now, they went their separate ways, but both doing the will of God. You both know, groups. We have that statement, you know, from, from my, my lips to your ears. Well, it's the same thing with the Lord. From, from His lips to our ears, we're supposed to be listening. Yes. I've always heard that. Um, you've heard me say this, that there's a reason we've been given two ears and one mouth. Yes, yes. We Sometimes there's too much talking and not enough hearing. Not enough doing what God said. You know, that word hearing, my, my dad used to say, now I want you to do this. Now do you hear me? <laughs> it means you better be listening. <laughs> well, our God says we better be listening because he has the word of truth. And he's the one that we are to be listening to. All right. Any other thoughts? Well, if not, we'll conclude there and we're right on time again. Still, well, a minute or two past. Things that they are spoken. I don't know that one. Okay. She was just a nursery. You know, she's wrong. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Well, let's get one that you do. I thought it was yesterday you had your kids. I see number 66. I thought it was yesterday. Let's take our songbooks and turn to number 66. I'm not there yet either. So 66. around me, but it never 
You know, the toil on my work grows lighter as I stoop to raise the low. That's the song. And so we think about what Jesus did for us. What can we do for other people? He says that if you've done it unto one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. So what is the cost? And what what does that cost to me? That's nothing. I God has done so much more for me. I owe it to him. And if I if helping somebody else is pleasing to him, that is what I should be doing. That is what I should be doing. It's a it's a guidance of, from from God. He's the one who directs is to direct our lives and we're to submit so that we can be of more service to him. I think we have a special. So we oh, we have a special? Well, would you like to do that now? Sure. And what we'll let you do that and we'll let you take over. We'll have a we'll have that and and you, you can take over the services from there. Are you playing for them? I don't know. Did you want me to try to play? I'm going to stay off from hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Might want to get your thing going. Things yeah. going here. Acapella. We used to call it Acapulco, where we they used to joke about Acapulco. y'all bear with me for a moment I'm going to try to sing uh, day by day day by day and with each passing moment strength I find to meet my trials here trusting in my father's wise bestowment I've no cause for worry or for fear he whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best lovingly is part of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest every day the lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour all my cares he fain would bear and cheer me he whose name is counselor and power the protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he strength shall be in measure this the pledge to me he made 
Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith with consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. The words of that song go right along with everything we've been talking about this morning. Our account over an axe and just the few songs that we've had this morning all, all coincide with one another. We know the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. And we know that it's obvious for our comfort and for our, for our support in serving Him. So, that we can make it through this world and the things that we do endure. <clears throat> this morning, uh, any prayer requests to make mention? I'd like you to remember Andy. She's not feeling well today. She's okay. got sinuses and a sore throat and She's had kind of a rough week this past week. So. Tis the season. Yeah, well, I don't know <laughs> if it's the season or Zambi, but she's got the troubles. So, mm -hmm. so. We remember her and Sister Barb as well. Remember Brother Ted Wilterdine? He, uh, they tried to do a angioplasma uh, stents, and they weren't able to do that, and they're going to have to refer him to a specialist in Washington State for open-heart surgery. And he's oh, having my goodness. With his heart right now. Let's remember him, very dear brother. Um, I have a lot of love and respect for Brother Ted. So let's remember him and his family. Um, let's remember uh, those that are traveling. Um, Karen and Dennis are headed for Arkansas. They left this morning, I think, didn't they? Um, so remember them. They'll be they'll be there while we're there. So um, they had an opportunity to go, and I think that was good that they get to. So. Um, Remember us, we're supposed to leave Thursday, uh, barring no unexpected changes. Uh, to remember those that are at the meeting, I know everybody's been kind of feeling ill and there's been some that have had COVID and some that are sick, um, which it affects the meeting we're going to. So um, a lot of those that went to Alaska were there. Brother Tony knows, it looks like they had a good, uh, good meeting there. You got to listen to some of those. If you haven't, those are available in the My Church Family Group, and I'll try to make sure and go back through and post the rest of those from their meeting so that if anybody has access to Facebook, they can listen to those. Um, a lot of good brethren that I haven't seen in a long time up there. Um, I know Curtis Brooks, Josh Ford. Uh, I've never met Brother Andy Lee, but I've heard, I've met his mother, and she's a wonderful, sweet lady, um, as well as some of the brethren there from Guiding Light. I think Jimmy Heverin and... Uh, Mike Karinick, I know, uh, just to name a few, I know, I've known them for a long time, so um, it was good to see their faces and not seeing them for a while, but I'll, Lord willing, I'll get to see them next week. The Winsmans, I think, were there as well. 
I really enjoy getting the boards too, Josh. They're they're an absolute blessing. Um, love brother Josh, and I've known him for quite a few years. And uh, I know some of you have known him when he was a little kid. So um, that's brother for y'all you don't know. That's brother Cheryl Ford's grandson. So he is the pastor at Trinity Baptist uh, Baptist Church in Garnett, Kansas, where brother Melvin Gray was for several years. So they have a congregation there it's about our size so not but about a nine and a half hour so if we ever ever in mind a fellowship and we need fellowship we they're not that far so uh, something for us to consider um, remember Rhonda she's not with us this morning I haven't heard from her this morning remember Tammy sister Tammy is having issues with her blood sugar today so let's remember her um, so remember those of our families that are in need of the Lord. I Sister Shirley. heard from Roxy and Dan, and they're on their way today to Michigan to see their daughter and their family. Okay. And so, I also prayed for them. Let's remember them. We we surely do miss them, and hope that they'll come back with us. Um, any other prayer requests this morning? Continue to remember. Uh, my family, of course, as we travel and just all the things that we're dealing with as far as work and health goes, that this Lord would be with us and guide us and deliver us through these things that we face. I know all of us too as well. So, any other prayer requests this morning? Uh, Brother Patrick, would you lead us in word of prayer, please? Father You will this morning turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's just, as we make our way through the book of 2 Corinthians, um, we're going to be starting in the latter part of chapter 3 this morning. Uh, just the last two verses there. As we cover the remainder of, of reading through this and, and uh, a series of messages in the book of Corinthians. So, Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory unto glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as of received mercy, we faint not. But have uh, renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is of the image of God, should shine unto them, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 
So here in those uh, last couple of verses of chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, just to build a little bit of context, he talks about the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's talking about our freedom that we have in Christ. He goes on there and he says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass, that glass there in other translations is mirror. They typically had a looking glass or we refer to it today as a mirror that see where we see our reflection. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Seems there that it's contingent upon us looking on the glory of the Lord that we might be changed into his likeness and his image. He says there, of course, are changed into the image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. I think back to the example in the Old Testament regarding Moses. When he went up to the mount and he conversed with the Lord and he come back, his countenance was changed. They couldn't look upon him. They had to put a veil upon his face. The glory of the Lord shone upon him. The same thing here, those people that we come into contact with can see the glory of the Lord in our lives as we're looking to the Lord. Sometimes we see in great difficulty, sometimes we take our eyes off the Lord, what happens? Our countenance changes, doesn't it? So it's all the more important for us to remain focused on the Lord. Going forward into verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, again, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. What is that mercy? It's what he's received from the Lord. He's, he's been merciful to us, compassionate, having pity on us. So that we received what we the compassion we've received from the Lord, we faint not. So we continue not growing weak or weary, but having renounced the hidden things of, the, of dishonesty, not walking in the craftiness nor handling of the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commanding ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. It's not that we're doing this to please every man, but our testimony, our witness before other men that we testify of God. He goes on there, he's, <clears throat> excuse me. He goes on there continuing down into verse three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Those that are lost. Now, that word there is very different than the translation I read, and I meant to write that down, but uh, the translation, I believe, can somebody read that verse, verse three for me? Brother Ed, do you have that there? Now this is verse three of chapter three? And yes. Second Corinthians. Uh, okay. uh, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three. Chapter four, okay. Yeah. I, I was having trouble finding that <laughs> word. So no wonder I was in the wrong place. That's okay. Okay, let's see. Uh, it's hard, hard to find the verses here. Okay, for we do not proclaim ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for the sake of Jesus. That's for, uh, 
Maybe that's five. Second that's first five. So back up a couple. Back up to verse three. If indeed our gospel is veiled, the veil yeah. is on the heart of those who are perishing. There you go. In whom the God of this world has blinded their unbelieving minds, mm -hmm. so as to shut out the radiance of the gospel of the glory of Christ, of the Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, mm -hmm. and ourselves as your servants for the sake of Jesus. So, in particular, that word veiled um, is used in the New American Standard Version as well. And it gives the understanding that their veil is, their, their understanding is covered, like we talked about Moses' face being covered when he beheld the, uh, the glory of the Lord and Israel couldn't look on him. But it's from the other side around. Exactly. From it, so it's from the other side around. It's, they not, it's not to hide mm -hmm. your presence, but your the understanding is, is hidden from them. Is hidden from them. Yes. It's, it's like they're wearing a sack over their head. Yes. And that's the point is that he says there, but if our gospel be hid, then it's like they've got that veil or that covering over their head. They can't see it. He says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, again back to verse 3 there, which believe, uh, believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, show, should shine unto them. We read, I believe last week, talking about the veil of understanding being over the face of those who wouldn't listen to the gospel of Christ. So this is a continuation of that statement from last week. He says, those people that are veiled in their understanding, they, don't, they can't perceive this because they're, mind, they're blinded to it because Satan has blinded them to what has been proclaimed. But our duty is not to veil and to hide, our, hide the gospel of Jesus, but it's our duty is to proclaim that to others, right? Okay? So... Paul is, is, is stating us here. He says, we, he goes on in verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and oursel uh, ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. The question I would pose today for us to look at is that are we preaching the gospel of ourselves, or are we preaching the gospel of Christ? What, have, what do we veil? Think about that. Paul goes on to state that he doesn't want them to grow tired in the, the verses there and give up these things. He says, but we're to reveal these things. He says, for, for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, and the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. 
We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes and abundant grace might throughout the thanksgiving of many rebound, uh, redound to the glory of God. So he goes on there and he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels in our flesh while we're here on earth. But Again, we're not living in the flesh. We're supposed to be living under the Spirit, putting the flesh to death. That was the earmark of our baptism into the covenant was that we buried the, the flesh, the old man, and we raise, were raised in the likeness of Christ. So as we keep our eyes on him, again, there's that glory there reflecting the glory of Christ to those around us. And he goes on there and he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So it says, we're tired, we're weary, but we keep doing these things. We're put to death, but we keep, we keep going. We're persecuted, but we're not left alone. We're not forsaken. We are cast down, but we're not destroyed. What do you think the purpose of that is there? This life is quite difficult. And I believe it's Paul, Paul's understanding here. He's trying to convey to the church of Corinth to keep going. Despite the circumstances that we face. Because if we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. What is it the scripture says? What? What can man do to us? They can kill us, but they can't take the Lord away from us. I mean, that's I know that's paraphrasing, but that's exactly what that scripture talks about there. So the same thing here. That's the expectation of our service to the Lord. Keep focused on him. He says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, his sacrifice. But also, what do you say there? that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And I may be wrong about this, but I feel that's a twofold application there. In us, as we walk, as we leave this gathering of people, this assembly, we go out that throughout the week, we have the Lord given to us. And then two, in the community that we live in, we're this light to them. It says, for which we live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, and the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. So, Paul's mentioning of that veil in those previous verses was not something new. We covered this previously. The veil of understanding.
It's not revealed to those who are lost, who are perishing, as the New American Standard read. But, because Satan had blinded them, it's almost like an illness. They've been infected with Satan, basically. They're blinded. I mean, why do you think when, the, when they were casting out demons and they were healing the blind, what, did they, what, what cured them? Their faith in Jesus. Their faith in God that through Jesus to heal them. And through that, guess what? The veil of their understanding, their lack of understanding was removed, right? They were able to see Jesus plainly and the glory of, of the Lord was reflected in them to others. I think about the, the message we covered, gosh, probably two or three months ago when we talked about that and the man got up and the Pharisees were upset because he was taking up his mat moving on the Sabbath. He's like, you don't understand. I've been healed. <laughs> he wanted people to understand he had been healed. He had been delivered from his problems. But he had a desire to have that veil of understanding lifted. He had a heart that was prepared and humble, ready to receive the Lord. So let us not forget that in serving the Lord that we don't put a veil up. Let's look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 29. It says, The people therefore that stood by and heard it, and that it thundered, others said, An angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. And the people answered him, and when he had heard of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how saith thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness... Come unto you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But thou, no, excuse me, but thou, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the, uh, the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they uh, could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, and they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory, and spake of him. So again, here we have currents here of him talking 
He had been in, looks like at Bethany, originally. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Pharisees were present. And he was talking with them regarding these things. Of course, we read, <clears throat> talking about the coming of the Lord. He says, there in verse 30, he says, The voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Jesus came not for his own sake, he came for ours. So that which is testified was not for us, but it was for our sake. It was for the sake of those that were in the hearing. So, Jesus' account regarding his, his death, they didn't understand it. They were, they were blinded to it. They didn't understand what he was going to be doing. But were their hearts prepared for that? They were so clinging to the law, clinging to the tenets of the law, but that was not what Jesus was trying to get them to understand, that he had come to fulfill these things so that they would have a better way. He says, now is the judgment there in verse 31 of this world, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who is the prince of the world? Satan. And if and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Jesus said, I'll draw all men to me. What was the purpose? Get Satan out of the way for what? To redeem the creation back to God's intended purpose. He said it there. He was foretelling about his death. This he said signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abide forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? He was standing right there in front of them. But yet, again, they were blinded. They were, they were, they were beheld into the law. And they had this for years and years and years, generation after generation, they had these writings before Christ. And he says, yet a little while I'm with, uh, the light is with you. While, walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. I know most of us have walked in the dark at some point. I did it last night and I ran into a wall. I know it's quite humorous. I turn off the light, walking out of the, 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 out of the bedroom where I was studying and was going to the bedroom and all the lights in the house were off. And I didn't realize I hit the light and I walked out and I was like, uh-oh. I'm going to have to feel. So you put your hand in front of you like that and try to feel. Well, I didn't judge the distance right and I hit the wall. So um, there's that image for you guys today. <laughs> so the same thing. You all have walked in the dark. And if you can't find your way, you'll run into things. Or you're hurt or you'll harm yourself. But Jesus is like, okay. If you just pay attention... Walk in the light while it's present. I'm here. <laughs> this is what the Old Testament was talking about. You'll be able to find where you're looking for. But the veil of understanding was not lifted from their eyes. We talk about the content of our heart, how we feel, and their hearts weren't weren't right. They weren't ready to hear these things. He 
says, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed from them to hide himself. And then it talks about Isaiah there and his the prophecy there. Says, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted that I should heal them. Think back to the original part of creation with Adam and Eve. The serpent, when he entered to talk to Eve, Eve already knew the instructions the Lord had given them of what to do and what not to do. But what did the serpent do? He, and the serpent knew exactly what to say. He said, Surely you shall not die if you partake of this fruit. And Eve thought to herself, You know, I don't think so. I mean, you read the account there based on what we read there. That's kind of what, what conclusion you come up with, right? But not only that, but she also deceived Adam in her sin there. So you see the responsibility we hold to one another there? Just in that particular account there in the scripture. By our actions, we can mislead others. So we better have our eyes fixed intently on the glory of the Lord. Because when we take our eyes off it, we're going to mislead people. They're going to look at us and go, it's your fault <laughs> when they have to give an account to the Lord. We're guilty. We're guilty of those things. But the desire of the Lord is that that not happen. Why do you think us, he tells us in the scripture to be watchful and to be concerned with these things? Because those that follow after the way of Satan, of course he is referred to as the ruler of this world, they're blind to the opportunity. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. This is what was referenced over in 2 Corinthians, and this is what's referenced over in, in John. So I think it's after that we read this. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's read verses 8 through 13 there. He says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here, I, here am I, send me. Of course, that's Isaiah there speaking. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, and understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their eyes heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, <clears throat> Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and land be utterly desolate. And the Lord having moved men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth and it shall return and it shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. 
And when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. What was going on here? They were going to, they were being carried off into captivity. We know that this was about to take place. But he said there, nevertheless, he told them to do this. He said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me. Isaiah stepped up and said, okay, I'll do this, Lord. What, what do I need to do? And then he responds and tells him what to do. And he says, make them, make the people's heart fat, their eyes heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see and hear and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. The Lord was angry because his people had not sought after his glory and honor. For generations, not just, this wasn't just a instantaneous thing where the Lord got mad. He was long-suffering up until this point, and he said, that's enough. <laughs> they're going to hear me, and they're going to see me, but they're not going to they're, they're have an opportunity until they go through this period of captivity. How do you think that, should, how, how do you think that would make us feel if we were going through that same situation and we hadn't listened to the voice of the Lord continually? If we're not careful, we're there. We're almost there too. We're facing some pretty hard realities in this world right now. And we better sober up and be, pay attention. Because the outcome doesn't look real good for this world right now, does it? The scripture does tell us not to be caught in unawares with these things. But there will be wars and rumors of wars and famine and Catastrophes of the life which we've not seen before. But we shouldn't be terrified of those things because we know they're going to come to pass. So what is the what is the expectation here? Keep the veil off our faces. Look to the Lord. Don't get in a position where, where, where Israel was at this particular point going into captivity. Or as a result of that, what happened? There was a waste. It was a desolation there. But what did he say there at the very end? But yet it, ha it, it shall be a tent that it shall return and shall be eaten as a till tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. There was a piece of those trees he talked about that fell off that were still sustenance, wasn't it? to sustain. The Lord was going to let it take place, but he wasn't going to leave it for all eternity for them to just weep and mourn. The intent and the purpose was to show them there are consequences for disobedience, but there are also rewards for following after the Lord. The fate of those who are stubborn and unrepentant it's very clear according to this scripture. We saw it over in the account over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we were, we were studying. What's the, what's, the, what's the report there? If you're not listening, if you're not looking, if you don't have the right heart, 
we're lifted up in pride. We can't receive those things, can we? Scriptures, scripture absolutely testifies that throughout the whole book. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter two. I don't have time to read it all, but we'll read verses six through twelve there. Again, first Thessalonians chapter two, starting in verse six, it says, Nor of men saw we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately, 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 excuse me, desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the glory of God only, but also of our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be charged uh, chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, who holy and justly and unblameably we have behaved ourselves among you that believe. And as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that ye would walk worthily of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. I'll actually read a little further there. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved and filled up their sins always, for the wrath is to come upon them to the uttermost. So, Brother Paul here giving the admonition to the church at Thessalonica <coughs> that they labored to deliver the word of God to them. Not just as the, with the authority of, as apostles in Christ, but what? Tenderly, affectionately delivering those things to them. He said, For we, ye remember, brethren, our labor and our travail and for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. What were they proclaiming? The glory, the glory of God, the gospel, the good news to them. Even though it was difficult. He says, you're a witness. You're a witness to this. And God also, God bear witness of this too. He says, how we did these things, holy, justly, unblameably. How, we, how they behaved amongst those people. 
That's the expectation for us here, too. We not only minister to one another, but we do minister to our sister churches and to those outside of this body that they might see the glory of God in us. He says he thanked he thanked God without ceasing because they received. There in verse 13. And heard. He says, they're not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God. Sound familiar, huh? Go back over to 2 Corinthians where we read, and he says there, we preach not ourselves, but we pre preach what? Christ. Christ crucified. Exactly. So, talking about the veil of understanding. Are we preaching the gospel of ourselves or are we preaching the gospel of Christ to these men that we come into contact with? Are we ministering to our brethren the same way? But no. Paul here ministered to them using what the Lord gave him for his honor, for, for God's honor and glory, not for the honor of men. Think about the scripture talking about be careful of the praise of men. It's a paraphrasing again of that, of that verse, but we need to be concerned with that and careful with that. I don't know about y'all, but typically when somebody gives me praise, typically for most people, when they give you praise, you get this, what we call the big head. You get you get, you, you get prideful. But in those in the face of those things where people praise us, it's all more important for us to remain, remember to stay humble and to stay focused on the Lord. Because that's who after who all we're seeking to please and honor, isn't it? And let us be an example to others. Let us not resurrect the veil that those Jewish brethren so struggled with there. They didn't have the understanding because they weren't ready to receive the, the Lord. They were blinded by the law. So let us continue to remember these things that we might be an example to those that others might see the glory of God in us and that they might come forward to to walk in the light as well that we enjoy. Thank you for your kind attention this morning. Again, remember those that are traveling, those that will be traveling this week, remember the upcoming meeting in Arkansas there. Remember us as we travel. Remember you all here. Remember those of our, uh, that are in need of uh, prayer. Um, I don't, if everybody got an opportunity, not everybody's here, but there's cards I'm passing around, one for um, a couple of brethren, for one for Sister Judy, and one for um, Isabella Eds, um, and one for uh, Sister Paula Dover. So everybody make sure to sign those. I know there's some of us that, that are not here, so um, I'll try to get those delivered during, my, during our travels. Any questions or comments or parting shots? If not, we'll all 
all stand to be dismissed and if Brother Ed and Brother Tony will come forward and lead us in a song.